Hey, Unnaturalists, I'm Emily. I'm Andy. And welcome to season three of Unnatural. We're finally here. We're doing it. I'm excited. Andy's excited. We hope you guys are excited. There is just all of the excitement. Yeah, summer's over. How was your summer, by the way? My summer was really good. Um, I didn't get out and do as many things as I initially planned on, but that's okay because it was still good. I got to meet some cool people through like my day job and yeah, it's been a good, it's been a good summer. I just watched a lot of Stranger Things. I watched a lot of yeah. True Crime Docs, House of the Dragon, and Rings of Power. That's basically all I've been doing all summer. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel bad about it. You shouldn't, <laughs> nor should you. Why would you? But I'm excited to be back. We've got a lot of interesting stuff this season. I know you and I have been talking about it. We've got a couple of new things that we're doing. We might do Unnatural on the road, yes. which is going to be amazing. Uh, maybe even some live stuff as well. So I guess... Just stay tuned. Yeah. Let's get into it because we got a little bit of a doozy today. I like doozies. So most of us know that being in the industry of sex work can often come with a lot of dangers, especially for prostitutes. And that's true today, but it was especially true back in the 90s, 80s, 70s, and even earlier. And this story brings us to the Oak Cliff neighborhood of Dallas, Texas in December of 1990. Investigators were looking into a prostitute's death and they were shocked and perplexed when they realized that her eyes had been meticulously removed from her skull. Oh, Now, this was just one of, unfortunately, multiple murders taking place in the same sort of fashion, leading the police in the area that in that time to think that there was a serial killer on the loose. This is the story of Charles Frederick Albright, a.k.a. the Eyeball Killer. Frederick Albright was born August 10, 1933, in Amarillo, Texas. He was adopted when he was just three weeks old from an orphanage by Dell and Fred Albright. He was an only child, and his mother, Dell, was super strict. She was a school teacher. She had been described as quite overprotective, but She really wanted to make sure that her son would succeed in life, and despite the fact she was a school teacher, she wanted to homeschool him and teach him at home, which she did, and through her teachings, he was actually a pretty bright kid, and he eventually um, 
ended up being able to skip mm. two grade levels. Kind of makes me wish I was homeschooled. Well, but I mean, like, all of, all, like, most of the time, the homeschool kids got a rap for being kind of weird. Odd. Yeah. Yeah. A little different. I, I, I know some people who were homeschooled as kids, and nothing against it personally, but um, sometimes people do say that you lack the kind of what do you what do you say like social skills interaction social skills interactions with uh, your fellow people later in life yeah i think that certainly can be true i mean kids learn a lot about how to socialize through like daycare and school and being around other people so i can't i mean i don't know if there's any solid research behind it but just like my baseline knowledge of psychology and sociology like it would make sense yeah it would although you do also learn a lot of shitty things from other kids too when you're a kid so yeah maybe it balances out yeah who, yeah who knows charles's mother was also adamant about teaching him manners to be kind and respectful especially when it came to girls and um you know, throughout his life later on in time, people would describe him um, in a good light for the most part, saying that he was always a perfect gentleman, especially around women, even getting into his adult years. But in his childhood, he was also kind of just raised in this interesting way. I read in several sources that as a child, he was made to dress up in girls' clothes and played with dolls. Um, this was kind of both because of his mom would do that. And also he had an aunt that would kind of dress him up like a girl too. Hmm. But when he was a young guy, he was also a little bit of a trouble troublemaker too. He had been described as impulsive. There were times when he would escape from their yard and he would take off and this was like when he was quite young. And for the longest time, nobody could figure out just how he was getting out of the fence until one day his mom was watching and he had asked people who were walking by to help him and like lift him up over the fence. And they did. And the people did it? Well, I mean, what? remember, this is like the 1940s. Right. Probably. But still, it's like the late 1930s early 1940s i'll just lift a kid out of his yard well i'm sure i mean i would imagine that he probably had some sort of excuse as to why they were doing it i don't know but um after that his mom started tying him to the porch yeah yeah like an animal or something yeah and as a teenager he got a gun as a gift and started shooting small animals, squirrels, rabbits, etc. And he wanted to become a taxidermist. Now, his mom was super supportive of this because she herself, as a young woman, girl, took an interest in taxidermy. So she bought him all of the things he needed. She helped him learn how to, um, you know, skin the animals and stuff them and they would go to like this 
taxidermy store, and Charles was always very intrigued by the eyeballs. Hmm. Of the- Hence the eyeball killer. Yeah, we'll get there. Um, but those glass eyes were very expensive, and his mom wouldn't buy them for him. Instead, on his like taxidermy projects, she would make him use like cheap marbles or buttons, um, or he would just simply have to sew the eyes shut. It is also said that Dell was abusive towards him both emotionally and physically, which we did see a little bit of that a couple minutes ago when I mentioned that she had tied him to the porch because he kept running yeah. away. I'd say that's abusive. <laughs> now, mind you, like even though it's not something we agree with, we do got to keep in mind the point in time where mm-hmm. abuse was quite normalized compared to today's standards. Not excusing it. was viewed it. differently. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but she was she was said to have locked him in dark rooms for hours and hit him for silly things like spilling milk or dropping something and making a really loud sound. Uh, she also tied him to his bed if he refused to take a nap. Now, you can imagine wow. as he got older, he may have been a little troubled, which uh, when he was about 13, he started Uh, getting into trouble the first thing was he got caught stealing and um from several stores actually is my understanding but his mom would go to the store owners and offer to reimburse them for whatever he stole trying to keep him out of like more or less legal trouble right Uh, he was arrested for aggravated assault Um, But his mom bailed him out, and from what I could tell, she got him, like, acquitted, or she just, like, kind of got him out of this incident as a whole. So, I'm not... He didn't have to serve juvie or anything like that? Yeah, and I'm not sure what exactly the situation was or what happened. I couldn't find anything about that. But she even went so far as to offer to do his jail sentence for him wow yeah couldn't be me (laughs) same he did end up going to public school at some point in time i'm not 100 percent sure on when he started but he did graduate from uh adamson high school in oak cliff when he was 15 Wow. Yeah, because he had skipped two grades already. So, yeah, that's impressive. Yeah. So, he graduated high school at 15, and it was also around this time that he had his first sexual experience with a prostitute and ended up getting crabs. Whoa. At 15? Mm Mm-hmm. I say, goddamn. Yeah. Well, imagine having- Slow down, son. Imagine having your first sexual experience and then like getting is crabs crabs is technically an STI, right? I think. I mean, either way, I mean, it's yeah, it's 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 pretty gross. I know that it's it's pretty painful and itchy. Itchy. And I'm not speaking from experience. I mean, you get it from having sex with somebody who is infected, so it. Mu- I don't know. Must be. I can't imagine the first sexual experience you ever have being with a prostitute. I mean, because you're so nervous anyway. 
<laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I've heard that story a lot, but not in someone so young. Like right. people being 18, 19, having like they couldn't they couldn't find anybody laid, or so then they just yeah. hire somebody. Yeah. But yeah, 15 is really weird. Damn. Um, you know, but also this is the 1940s. So maybe that's just how it was done. I don't know. Yeah. He's in a bigger, he was probably in Dallas, bigger city. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. Uh, and then he did enroll at North Texas university. He was interested in attending men's school because he wanted to become a surgeon but he did fail to complete the pre-med training. The following year, when he was 16, he got caught with stolen money, two handguns, and a rifle. So he had stolen $380 from a cash register, and both of the guns were worth over $100. Wow. Which in like today's money would probably be like well over a thousand dollars i think in cash for sure and then the guns like i don't think you could buy any gun under a hundred dollars at this point in time and no. he had three damn and this doesn't sound like a kid thanks inflation right <laughs> this doesn't sound like a kid who is well on his way to becoming a doctor that's for sure yeah and um the sources were conflicting on what his punishment was one said that he spent a year in jail. Others said he was sentenced to two years, but only served six months. But I think the point is, is that he did serve some jail time for this. Yeah. And after he got out, he moved and enrolled at Arkansas State Teachers College again for pre-med. But it was here that he had broken into a girl's dorm room stole some of her like nude pictures and some other items he also apparently broke into a professor's office and was trying to like fudge his grades <laughs> god damn this guy yeah so he was expelled from there but he wasn't charged with anything shocker that he was expelled for that <laughs> yeah then around the time when he was 17 or 18 Something of note kind of happened where he had um, an ex-girlfriend and he would start cutting the eyes out of pictures of her and then he would put them on the wall next to like other girls' faces or he would cut out a face and put it on someone else's face on a picture. Just kind of like weird. Yeah. I'm sensing a theme here with the eyes. Yeah, there is certainly a theme and it just gets worse kind of eye-opening really then we're going to fast forward a little bit to 1952 1953 when he started dating a woman named betty Nestor. she was described as being really pretty kind of prim and proper very much a lady of the time and she was working at the president's office and he tricked her into stealing the keys for the college so she got she got her hands the president like of the college gotcha betty Nestor. that sounds like a real 1950s name just a side note yeah she ended up getting a master key type thing and was helping him with his schemes and what he was actually doing is he was forging degrees 
for himself. Oh. He forged a master's degree and two bachelor's <laughs> degrees. Does he not think that this is going to catch up to him? I mean, my guy, come on. No. So anyway, he and Betty got married two days after Christmas that oh. year. <laughs> and Betty legitimately, with an actual license and an actual degree, began teaching at Kimball High School. Hmm. Charles, on the other hand, was struggling to hold down a job for more than a few months, despite the fact that he falsified bachelor's and master's degrees, uh, probably because he... <laughs> you would think that degree would have gotten him a long way, but apparently not. Well, you know, I mean, like, if you have the piece of paper, but you don't have the skills, you know, right. like, people are going to be like, mm, use, I don't know how you got this degree, you suck at your job, goodbye. Yeah. Uh, but apparently, one of his many odd jobs was he worked as a bullfighter, like in a rodeo, just to say he could. That's random. Yeah. He also worked as a barber. He manufactured baseball bats. He worked as an illustrator. He worked on the design team for a company that made airplanes. Hmm. Just like a bunch of... Shit. I uh, believe he also worked as a teacher for a short while as well. Um, He's kind of then, a jack uh, of all trades. Jack of all trades, master of none. nothing. <laughs> no, master skills. of forgeries, maybe. Mm, a forgery maybe. master, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. And then. He was also really involved in the church. He would help out with communion. He would help the pastor or the priest with kind of whatever they needed help with. And people began to be very trusting of him. Yeah, because he seems like a very godly man. Well, um, do you remember when you said that maybe he was a master of forgery? Yeah. Apparently not so much, because in 1970, he was sentenced to three years of probation in Hunt County for forgery and altering official records oh. to change his grades and get undeserved academic recognition and jobs. Take so. that mastery away, I guess. Not going to get a Whoopsies. master's in that. Yeah, well, then the next year he was arrested for forging cashier's checks and once again got probation. Wow, this guy doesn't learn. Yeah, then five years later, when he was 41, Betty finally wised up and they officially separated. Good for you, Betty. Yes, absolutely good for you. But then a couple months or a year or two later, once again, he got caught stealing um, two perfume bottles from a store and he was sentenced to another year of probation. Wow. The hits keep on coming. Yes. And then he was sent to prison for pleading guilty to stealing a miter saw and other items from a Dallas store. He um, cut the back door chain, shopped around, took whatever he wanted, took a cart outside, and was like loading everything into his car and trying to leave when the managers stopped him and called the police. That'll do it. 
Yep. And then in 1981, his mother died. And it was at this point where he began to search for his birth parents. Are you intrigued by the dark side of things like murder, kidnapping, and sex cults? What about when the criminal is your favorite musician or actor or director or writer? Hollywood might look like all glitz and glamour until you take a closer look. But I'll tell you one thing, that kind of point of view can make you more vulnerable. From Roman Polanski to Mackenzie Phillips to Judith Barcy to Kurt Cobain, Summer predators and summer prey. I'm Dee Dee West, and I just might ruin your childhood. Follow my podcast, Broken Limelight, where I cover celebrity true crime stories. For more information, visit BrokenLimelight.com. Again, that's Broken Limelight. Follow it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. Now, when he was growing up, Dell had told him a couple different stories about his birth mom. She said uh, she told him that his birth mom was a law student who married one of her classmates, and her father forced her to give Charles up for adoption so as to not ruin her and the guy's future. Um, she also told him that his birth mother was a worthless prostitute, and she just accidentally got pregnant, obviously didn't want the baby because that would hinder her work and just gave him up. Those are two things that don't seem like they mesh well together. Law student and prostitute? Well, neither of them were true anyway because she was actually a nurse. Oh. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Law student, prostitute, nurse, same thing. You know, they're all intertwined. It's fine. So now we're in the early 80s, and Charles is back to working odd jobs here and there. He's just living his life, and he's getting back into a different church, a Catholic church, doing kind of the same thing, doing a lot of volunteering, getting in with the people, um, just kind of being like a little bit of a social butterfly because he was getting friendly with his neighbors. They would have backyard barbecues. He would help the neighbors out with like handyman projects, you know, just typical like neighborly thing. Yeah, Um, sure. He would probably forge checks in their name, that kind of thing. He might have, but eventually he got so (laughs) close with some of the local couples, they were asking him to babysit their kids. Wow. Talk about a bad idea. Yeah, a really bad idea because he was accused of molesting a nine-year-old girl. Oh, God. That's terrible. Yeah, I mean, this story really just keeps getting worse the farther we go. 
this guy just keeps getting worse. Like he, this guy, he started out as a piece of shit and I'm not sure what goes lower than piece of shit, but maybe fucking asshole. He's at fucking asshole level right now. We'll see where he goes from here. He's just going to keep going down (laughs) because get this. He said he was innocent of the molestation and he was like, we're friends. Why would you say such a thing? Why would you ever think that I was capable of doing this? And this is where in my research, things got a little fuzzy because some sources said there were two incidents. Some made it seem it was just this one, but there was all, but there was two ages mentioned. This nine-year-old girl was mentioned and also a 14-year-old girl was mentioned. Mm. Um, But whether it was one incident or two, he did end up going to trial where he pled guilty. But he later said that he only took the guilty plea to avoid the hassle of a trial and just like wanted to essentially sweep it under the rug. And, um, you know, in this, which that that's bullshit. Yeah. Like, I don't know about you, but if, if if I was accused of being a pedophile, the last thing I would do is want to sweep it under the rug. Like I would want to proclaim my innocence. Well, that's the thing. I don't think to the very last, I don't think he was innocent. So maybe he just figured or knew that nobody would believe him. Right. But then uh, like he I think he received more probation. And in 1980 Cuz that's going to help. Yeah. It's it's helped so It's helped much so, so much far. already. Yeah, yeah, let's just give him some more probation. That'll help the guy. It he'll turn himself around. Um, And then in 1984, he started dating a woman named Mary White for a couple of years. Seemed like a normal relationship as far as I could tell, but she would later claim that she was afraid of him and was convinced that he was the killer in these murders that are eventually going to come up. And she thought that if given the chance, he would definitely kill again. Dum, dum, dum. And then in 1986, Charles's father, Fred, dies, and um, Charles then moved in with his new girlfriend, Dixie Austin, who was a sales clerk at a local gift shop. And um, when his father died, he did end up getting an inheritance of about $100,000. But even though he had all of this money... um, Dixie continued to act as the breadwinner and she paid for everything. So when you say his father died, was this his not his biological father, obviously? No. I don't I don't think he ever found out anything about his biological father. All I really found about his birth parents was a couple of sources that I read mentioned that after his after his mom died, he went searching for his birth parents. I don't know if he ever actually found them or met them, but he did have to have like found some records of them because it was mentioned in several sources that, you know, his mom told him these stories about his birth mother, but like it like it was she was actually a nurse. Right. And that was in several sources that I read. So Gotcha. 
Um, there wasn't a whole lot of detailed information, but yeah, like what I like when I refer to his mom and dad, it's his adoptive. Gotcha. Parents. Okay. So he got this inheritance. He's still kind of working some odd jobs, but you know, Dixie is still playing the role of sugar mama. Who knows why? Especially for the late eighties. Like, yeah, really. But um, then in 1987. He and Betty finally and officially got divorced, and they did have one daughter together, but from my understanding, he wasn't a very involved father. Oh, wow. That completely surprises me. Yeah. It's absolutely 100% shocking. Him and Betty officially got divorced, and... Around this point in time, I kind of mentioned that he was working several odd jobs, and the job he was working at this point in time was he was delivering uh, newspapers early in the morning, and Dixie eventually started getting suspicious that he was cheating and visiting prostitutes because she would catch him in areas while he was supposed to be on route delivering papers that wasn't actually on his route and it was um he was visiting like neighborhoods and streets that were known for prostitution uh, known for prostitution absolutely and now that we're getting to the very late 80s early 90s and we have talked about most of his life so far we are going to stop How dare you? Well, you know, we got to intrude. I wanted the first eyeballs form. to come out. I mean, I, I, you said this was the eyeball killer. It is the eyeball killer. We did talk about eyeballs with the taxidermy All and whatnot, right, but we're going to really get into the meat and potatoes of this whole thing. So, you will have to wait until next week to get into the nitty, gritty, creepy details of this case next week. I, for one, am excited about this. I'm excited, too. I'm excited to tell you kind of just like the icky bickies. I'm ready. I'm ready to go next week. Let's do it. In the meantime, now that we are back, we are going to be super active again on our social media pages. So come hang out with us. You can do that on Twitter, Unnatural the Pod, Instagram, Unnatural the Podcast. We have a Facebook page, Unnatural, a true crime podcast. If you have any cool case suggestions that you would like to hear us cover, send us a Gmail at unnaturalthepodcast at gmail.com. We also have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash unnaturalthepod. And as always, please be sure to rate, subscribe, follow, share us with your friends. Leave us that five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. And if you do, send us a screenshot to any of the social medias or our email, and we will send you some free stickers. And if you don't, if you leave us a one-star review, it'll be truly Wittershins. Wittershins galore. Wittershins galore. That's a good one. <laughs> we sure have missed you guys, our favorite little unnaturalists. We are so happy to be back. But remember, 
make good choices. And don't get got. Bye. killer yeah just like your cats are aiming for each other's eyeballs right now you missed it they, they had a showdown for a second while you were talking there yeah and onyx has been like a dick lately about <gasps> cleo like all the time Zippity-yay. My, oh, my, what a wonderful day. Yes.